Welcome to Episode 6 of the Cancer Dispatches, The Caregivers Part 3. I'm Tika Thomas. This is the last of the three episodes focusing on the people in the immediate life of a patient. My friend Brian Buds brings together the perspective of a healthcare provider and of a caregiver to a partner who had another deadly illness. We recorded this long conversation about the role of your professional medical staff, the role of caregivers, and how illness changes the relationship to your friends. This conversation with him and his lovely dog is about 19 minutes. Brian, thanks for participating in this project. You bet, Tika. So we met in law school about 18 years ago, and our friendship was forged and sustained by our mutual love of politics and American history. Before law school, you were a nurse for a long time, and we're going to get into that big time. Afterwards, you after law school, you worked in public health, and then you taught public health law and healthcare law at our old law school, as well as you taught some stuff at the School of Nursing. You know, I asked you to be interviewed for this, not only because of your expertise, but also, regrettably, you had a partner uh, die of another terrible disease about 30 years ago. Right. And you had some really interesting takes uh, as being a caregiver in addition to being a professional. So the first question I want to get into is just a very basic one. From the perspective of a patient, what is the role of a nurse? Oh, that's interesting from the perspective that you phrase that from the perspective of a patient. I actually think a lot of patients don't know what to expect from nurses or from doctors. But I do think that there's a there's a reason that nursing is always listed among the most trusted professions. And I think that's because people tend to feel they can talk more to their nurses. Uh, that nurses are a better uh, place to kind of discuss the reality of what you are experiencing, either as a patient or a loved one and a caregiver. Um, apart from that, I think the range is, is all over the place in terms of what people think nurses are and do. But that is the one constant, I think, is that people have a lot of confidence in talking to their nurse. So you'll often, you know, have people come away from a, a an interaction with their physician confused and uncertain or not sure what was said or something like that and and often will turn to the nurse and say can can you help me understand that um, right now some of that's from my own perspective as a nurse that's the part of nursing that i uh, love uh, and i'm still a nurse even though i've as you pointed out in the introduction i went to the dark side and became a lawyer too but um that's <laughs> uh, what i it's what I love about nursing is we often are the conduit between um, between the lived patient or family experience and the um, physician providers. Um, yeah. And what should, you know, someone who just got diagnosed with breast cancer uh, expect from their nurse and or, and or doctor? Yeah. And what are they on their own for? Exactly. And I, I don't mean to draw too firm a line saying expect this of your doctor or that of your nurse. But quite often when I'm advising friends who are newly diagnosed with some kind of concern or in the process of being diagnosed, I will often suggest to them that, you know, sometimes, especially when you're dealing with a physician specialist, they become so focused on the specialty that often, not always, but often they're not great at communicating what they're seeing or looking for in accessible human terms. 
Mm-hmm. And so I often tell my friends or colleagues or people who come to me for advice on that is make sure you run those questions by your nurse. Uh, as a matter of fact, recently okay. I was talking to a friend who was about to start a, a, a round of chemotherapy. And and he said, I, I, I can't remember what they told me about the side effects. And they said, that's okay. Just make sure you talk to your chemo nurse about that. Um, And frankly, that's where nursing tends to be at our best, is helping people understand that kind of real lived experience. What will a side effect be? Or what will this feel like? Or, you know, what can I honestly expect in terms of response? That kind of thing. Now, in this project, I've been getting stories about patients being advocates, patients hearing in their support group to get this test or that test. or And I know that that has to come up against uh, your professional knowledge, the professional knowledge of the nurse, I should say, the resources of the medical system. And do you have any thoughts on that of, about patients being their own aggressive advocates? Yeah, I sure do. Um, First of all, I always encourage people um, to the extent that it makes sense for how they deal with the world. You know, some people really need to know every little detail they can learn, and some people don't, and that's not how they address things. But I encourage people, learn about your disease process, learn about the medications you're on, and keep keep a list of questions for your physician or your nurse or your chemo nurse or whatever it might be. Um, Uh Because undoubtedly you'll forget what, you know, the question was when you go there unless you've written it down. And if you've written it down, at least you can say, hey, I've been thinking about these things. Can you help me address them? Now that what comes to mind with your question is comes from a long time ago when I was doing primary care as a nurse practitioner with HIV patients, Uh at a time when, frankly, we had very little, if any, effective treatments or interventions. And patients would often come in, um, you know, the Internet was fairly new, too. The World Wide Web was very new at the time I was working uh, as a, a primary provider in HIV. And patients would come in, why, are, why don't you have me on this medication? Why am I not on this treatment? Right. And I'd pause, and sometimes the answer was because I've never heard of it. I don't know what it is. I mean, that's not how I would answer it. But um, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of bullshit out there, too, you know? And huh. so it's really hard for those of us from a professional view sort of saying, okay, I don't want to just defend my turf or feel like we're the know-it-alls and we have science and you don't. Right. Or be arrogant enough to think that someone hasn't hit upon something I haven't thought about because all of those are real possibilities. But you have to, as a nurse or a provider, you got to sort through it because there's a lot of, um, especially out on the Internet, there's a lot of snake oil. There's a lot of nonsense out there. Yeah. 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 And I want to, well, first of all, I want this podcast to be something on the internet that at least gets people thinking <laughs> through the snake oil and, yeah. you know, to the, to the yeah. Yeah. As, as cutting edge as it is. Now, 
about 30 years ago, regrettably, you had a, your partner at the time suffer through a disease. And as I was telling you about planning this podcast on my mom's breast cancer uh, treatments, you had some right. very compelling things to say about the experience of being a patient and a caregiver. Would you mind sharing that? Yeah, it. Um, not at all. I'm, I'm I'm happy to share that. And and you're right. It was uh, thirty uh, thirty one years ago this month that my partner died of HIV, and um, uh, I was not just a caregiver. I mean, I was I had gone to nursing school to work in HIV and had gotten um, I I'd been on a track to become sort of super AIDS nurse in some ways, and so. When he was diagnosed, I was I was doing my work, uh, which was on an AIDS floor in Seattle, uh-huh. and I'd come home and it was sort of 24/7. Uh, it was pretty overwhelming to say the least. Yeah. Uh, at the height of his illness, I kind of switched what I was doing to uh, inpatient psychiatric nursing, which was frankly a, a relief from having to deal with the same. Uh, difficult disease process all day. That says something. Every day. Um, actually, ironically, it was a very safe place to be emotionally. Um, but uh, it's it's particularly difficult, I think, when you are both a caregiver and you have professional knowledge, so as a nurse or a physician. Um, I was thinking about this after you approached me on this. In our shared profession of law, there's an old adage, um, forgive the sexist language, but it's how I learned it, was, you know, the man who represents himself as a fool for a client. Abraham Lincoln and said there's that. A wiz- was it Lincoln? Yeah, yeah. It was. Most good things he did say. <laughs> but um, it, there's a truth to that that I think is self-evident. And, and in some ways, the same thing happens if you're kind of trying to care for yourself in in medicine or nursing. Um, and partly, it's, you don't want to hear bad news, or you don't want to impart bad news, yeah. Um, or you don't want to be the conduit of bad news to your loved one. Uh, and so your denial becomes super strong, and yeah. and that's dangerous uh, on one level. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's also, it, it's a double-edged sword. You know the right questions to ask to be a really good advocate. But there's a thin line between that and uh, and being sort of arrogant and demanding in a way that doesn't fit the tools that the physicians have or the nurses have. And so as it's, any it's, partner it's knows... It's difficult. And as any partner knows with anything... You have to have this balance between being the coach and just being the consultant, you know. Exactly. Giving, exactly. giving, you know, telling it like it is, hey, you need to do this, that, the other, and just, you know, putting your arm on them and making them feel good in the, in the moment. Exactly. Exactly. I, I was just going to add to that, that when you have some medical or nursing knowledge, uh, and you recognize that something isn't good or isn't right, it's awfully hard to hide that. 
You know, <laughs> it's like right. uh, the, just the look on your face can betray that. Um, right. So there's a lot of challenges and, when you're you've got a dual role there. And how does it, uh, um, you know, speaking as part of a unit, you and and your partner, how does it affect your relationships with your friends and your inner circle? You know what? It, it serious illness, whether it's terminal or not, changes everything about every relationship. I think mm-hmm. um, it doesn't mean that you you can't weather that, or that it doesn't necessarily make it stronger in some cases. But everything is different. Um, it, it it is very challenging for the romantic part of a relationship when one person is the caregiver and one is the patient. Um, you're no longer you're no longer on equal footing as much as you might try and it becomes very difficult and i think that's true with relationships with friends and and family members there are some who there are some who get it there are many who don't and that becomes very difficult you know you 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 kind of you don't want the friends over to the house who don't get it or who don't understand that you don't want to talk about your illness 24/7. Right. Um, or can you describe that? Or, or afraid of talking about it at all? You know, or, yeah. or or afraid of talking about it at all? You, you kind of it changes everything. I think. When you say friends who get it, what is that empathetic it? <laughs> you know, it's. Uh, I, I had a friend, and I, I think I've shared this story with you at one point. Um, he was really my best friend, and he died three weeks after my partner died. Um, and he was a he was a Catholic priest. He had AIDS, and he was one of the first in the country to go public with that diagnosis. Uh-huh. And I remember he called me shortly after he had gone public with it, and he had a wicked sense of humor at any rate. But he said, "Oh, Brian, the best thing about having told everybody." I've stopped getting all those goddamn get well cards. Yeah. And there's a sense of he fully appreciated the sentiment when people said get well, but there's a disconnect there. You know, yeah. if you have what then was known as a terminal illness, there's something about, oh, I know you mean well, but your words are just not right. They're not what I need to hear. Um, Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of us that just don't know how to communicate with um, a friend, a colleague, a family member who's ill. Yeah. And it's, you know, I don't mean to condemn them. It's just, you don't, if you're in the midst of it, you kind of don't want those folks around a lot. <laughs> you know? Yeah. 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 Is there, for one of those folks who found out that a friend of theirs got ill and they're listening to this podcast, is there, any co- coaching advice you give to them? Yeah. I I think the advice is be real. It's okay to be afraid of the illness. You know, your your friend who's sick is afraid of it. You know, the family members, the partners, whoever's afraid of it, that's okay. Um, yeah. Just be honest. Um, yeah. Just be honest. There's a, there's a woman who's created a line of greeting cards. That it's really dark humor, but I I love what it is, and I can't remember her name or whatever. But they're they're all kind of like cancer sucks cards. And instead mm-hmm. of these, you know, sending you all the warm wishes, they're things like, 
you know, cancer really sucks, doesn't it? And there's a certain point at where just honestly being yourself is what you need to hear. Because you know people right. are afraid of you when you're sick. People are afraid of cancer. They're afraid of AIDS. They're afraid of whatever it might be. And that's human. Um, but when you acknowledge that, um, and sometimes even finding the humor in it. We had a, a friend. She was actually my mentor in nursing um, who was really good to us when my partner was dying. And uh, she came over to fix dinner for us one night. And she hadn't seen Mondo for a couple, three weeks. And this was at a period of time where that was a long time. And so a lot of, a lot of change had happened. And she came to the door and had a bag full, you know, a bag of groceries in her arms. And I opened the door when Mondo was with me. And she looked at him and said, well, you look like shit. And we all started laughing. And yeah. he was so grateful to not hear some bullshit, you know, right. and, but to hear some someone speak the truth. Um, right. And it was yeah, the truth. I mean, we laughed a lot about that. Yeah. It does. There's a um, an author who wrote a great deal about his own experience as a caregiver for his lover who died early in the epidemic. Uh, and then his own experience as a patient. And uh, his name is Paul Monette. He died in the mid-90s. <clears throat> the book I'm thinking of is called Borrowed Time, which was his memoir of uh -huh. caring for his partner. But early on in that book, he talks about, you know, once they got the diagnosis, he would say, those of us who now live on the moon, it was like having that experience, you know, suddenly you have, in that case, AIDS. And I suspect the feeling is much the same when someone gets a diagnosis of breast cancer or um, late stage anyway. lymphoma or whatever it might be, right? There's this sense of I don't live on planet Earth anymore. I live in some separate place. And this is a shared hmm. shared experience I have with others who who are gone through this. But this is not what the world knows. You know? Yeah. And, um, well, thank you for that insight, Brian. Yeah, it's a um, it's a real one. We keep trying to learn from. Yeah. Boy, uh, and, and you, I, I'm you delighted felt, you're doing this series. Um, and yeah, and you felt the listeners to think, think and empathize through things. Yeah. There's no there's no magic bullet in this either. There's not a magically right. appropriate way to be a great provider or a great nurse or a great caregiver, family caregiver. Um, we all screw up all the time. Yeah. Um, but there's, um, there are a lot of lessons to be learned from people who have experienced this, like your mother and, and you yeah. and, uh, and my own experience too. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we've put all our, not only our brains together, but our hearts together. And, um, here, here. Thank you very uh, much, Brian. Okay. To all those out there taking care of loved ones, thank you. You're sacrificing a lot, and I hope this episode gave you some directed inspiration. In the next episode, we'll get into matters of self-image when going through treatment.
Frypack is a proud sponsor of the Cancer Dispatches. Backpacks and other travel and sports accessories that facilitate free movement. That's vrypac.com and on Instagram, vrypac.com.